You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, and that was your daily dose of the 11 o'clock news. And normally we would have one of our mixtape spotlight songs, but instead we have a very special treat. I'm lucky enough to be joined in the studio by former UNE student and alumni and frontman of social of the social norm, as well as uh, an, a solo artist in his own right. It is Tim Godwin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ben. How you been, man? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Still trying to figure out exactly what's going on in the world and... <laughs> try and get back to something resembling a form of normality how about you well i've given up trying to work out what's going on in the world That's fair. <laughs> i'm just i'm just on the bandwagon like everyone else but um no look it feels good to be back here at, at, at tune fm and and at UNE. it's had weird being an alumni but um definitely it's looking very autumn and lots of memories are flying back to me of uh being up all night partying and trying to get assignments done so <laughs> sure no armadale very much armadale is uh it's rather renowned for the uh, beauty of the autumns that we get up here we're quite lucky in that regard yeah 100%. so you obviously have had a lot of success in the past with your band the social norm they've been around for quite some time um released a few different albums released a single just last year and now you've sort of struck out on your own a bit more so than previously you've obviously released a few singles you're getting a few more tracks together how do you find the difference between writing music for yourself as a solo artist compared to writing for a band yeah that's a cool question um look i, I remember i did an interview a little while ago at 301 when i put out um track last year and i think the honest answer is the it's a bit more reflective of my own life the tim godwin stuff whereas social norms more your social commentary political uh you know tongue-in-cheek sort of stuff and it was a conscious decision to separate them because I felt they were different. Um, Fair. Yeah. And in honesty, like the like generic success and payroll number, I predominantly re- wrote and performed all of that myself, bar a little bit of it. So the writing process is not too dissimilar. Um, but I think now it's interesting when I when I self-produce and play all the parts on, on the Tim Godwin stuff, it's like um, I'll write it and then kind of reverse engineer about how to do it. And it's it's funny now I've got a band together to do it and they all ask me about the different parts. Like the drummer asked me about something and the guitarist is like, man, I, I can't remember, dude. Once, once, once I do the drums, I forget about that. And sure. I do the guitar and, then, and I forget about that. I do the Simpsons and then the vocals. So, but in short, it's, it's definitely more personal and uh, reflective of what's going on personally with my life rather than what's going on with the world, if that makes sense. And given that obviously you, um, it's purely solo stuff, the songs that you've been putting out, so you obviously do the vocals, um, you play the guitars, the drums, basically you do everything in the track. How much is it, How much sort of more work goes into the entire process of that compared to, you know, say the average Joe who would do things as part of a band? Is there a, a larger amount of work to be done when you're essentially doing everything yourself from scratch? Well, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, you don't just rock up to your part and then and then PO. But having said that, you're also not collaborating, so yeah. you, you don't butt heads with anyone other than yourself. So um, definitely, I struggled a lot with it when I was by myself, not having anyone to bounce ideas off. I'm getting more efficient and and better at it. But yeah, I mean, just the logistics of it. I mean, most stuff is multi-track recorded now, and a lot of people don't even record drums or bass these days. Believe it or not, they just cheat and they use MIDI. But um, as a purist, I do it all, and that that takes time. And because I I produce it and and record it myself, like for um, the record I'm putting out this year, Digital Noise, I literally set up in a room at Necom here in Armadale, and you know single handedly set up all the mics and everything, and I filmed it as well. So I need to set up lighting and all the rest of it. So yeah, compared that to 
going into a studio with an engineer and a band where you, you just say, I do a lot of session drumming, I'd just set up a drum kit or there'd be already one there. Literally would just go in, well rehearsed, do my thing and then leave. So sure. considerably more, yeah. <laughs> the um, Obviously this album that you spoke about, Digital Noise, a solo project presumably that's going to be coming out later this year. Given that, like I said, you're doing everything yourself, including the engineering, the process of, say, recording a single and putting it all together, is there sort of like, how long does it generally take? Are we talking, say, a week's worth, even longer? Like from the time of going in and starting the recording process to having it pretty much ready to go, are we, how long does it generally take to get one to that stage? Um, well, it wouldn't be constant work, but I, I probably have a turnaround of about six months, eight months. Sure. Um, actual time in the studio, a lot less than that. Um, Having my own studio at home um, and doing it myself also means that you, you pick and choose when you do it rather than, you know, you're paying a heap of money an hour to go into a studio. Obviously, you go and you smash it out. Um, but actual, like, going through all those parts, I mean, it would a solid 10 hours or maybe up to 20 hours in the of actual production time probably sure. for a song, and that's recording and then... <laughs> Um, but then all the other stuff that goes with it, right? So I'll send it to a mix engineer who will tweak it and then it'll go to a mastering engineer and that's another process. And then and these days you have a music video and then you have all your uh, your press releases and then your emails and oh, all this, the promo and stuff. So that turnaround is what takes more time than actual production itself. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Does, um, does Digital Noise have a release date yet? No, so I've I've given the deadline for my mix engineer to get the the mixes back to me in June. Right. So I'm hoping to get a single out in July and hopefully for some shows. I'm not keen to announce any dates at the moment Absolutely. because we're still a bit That's nervous fair. about That's COVID. Um, and we're shooting a film clip for it in May, the title track, Digital Noise. And then hopefully July-ish, maybe we'll get that out and then later coming into spring get get it's actually it's a well it's a six track ep so it's a longer ep um, right hopefully when it gets to spring I'll, I'll get it out and we'll get some more dates locally and and hopefully regionally and maybe interstate as well depends on on what happens you know so no yeah. that's fair given that you just brought up obviously being able to hopefully tour with you know some of these tracks and whatnot when it comes to solo releases like this i take it then you 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 do everything on the record. You can't obviously play drums and guitar all at the same time while you're on the road. Do you have? I, I assume that means you've got like a um, you've got a, a group of people that are that are going to be touring with you for those for the solo release stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different band entirely to the social norm, and it's it's taken me some time, but I've found some good people locally to do it because I've actually moved home and I've I've bought a place in in um, in Urala. Nice and. The second song I think we're going to play in this interview is a bit about coming home. It's Cordy Ray's, but it's nice to be home now. It was a bit hard when I first came, but long and the short, I found some people. There's Rebecca Taffer, who's known relatively well in the in the folk scene, and she's playing playing bass for me, although we're very distant from folk, <laughs> I yeah. must say. Um, and then there's a, another guitarist, I think he's an alumni from UNE in music as well. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, Lee Knight. Um, he's a great player, and he actually lived with the guitarist from the social norm here in Armadale back in the day. So right. it's funny how <laughs> small the world actually is. Absolutely. And then um, I found this phenomenal drummer, Dan McLaughlin, who's based in, in Inverell. So it's really nice to be able to rehearse in the country and it's so much different to Sydney. Like I can it, imagine it would be. Yeah, you're not paying 200 bucks to just rehearse. You, you've, you're in a shed in the back of Whoop Whoop and you take as long as you want 
there's not another band knocking on the door saying hurry up get out it's our turn and it's just yeah it's actually nice it's it's a bit frustrating because you're not as motivated to get stuff done but right. it's I'll tell you what, man, is you're not bustling in traffic and you're not coughing up a heap of money just to do what you want to oh, do. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, you, you have to sell me on I'll never, ever move to a city. That's not something I so, would even yeah. really consider. Because um, now you just you just brought it up, and this is a question um, I was thinking of earlier. Do you Is it you that designs all the cover art for, obviously, the Tim Godwin music stuff and other things like the social norm? Is it is it generally you that, that creates that? Um no, okay. not always. Right. Sometimes uh, for digital noise, I am doing the artwork for it. But social norm, no, I haven't done. I did one for Jack Attack, but that was but generic success. That was a dude in Canberra, Connor Mares, Mars. Anyway, he's a bit of a dude, and everyone loves that one. That's no, I was going to say over. that's the one I was <laughs> that's the one I was going to bring up because that's the um, that's I, I remember seeing that when it came out, and I just thought it was genuinely one of the funniest cover arts i'd seen it was very much it, it had a bit of a it was rather tongue-in-cheek the way it was for people that haven't seen it it's essentially a um the album's generic success and it's a uh mortgage application with a big rejection stamp on it next to a plate of avocado on toast which is poking a bit of fun at something that was that was that was said a little while ago about this generation and their attitudes towards money which was quite roundly um condemned by a lot of different people well it was but also super relevant and especially Absolutely. from a band coming from the inner west of sydney like no one that lives in the inner west of my generation is thinking about buying a house like it's just you know but no that was that was i gave him the concept he laughed at me and he said no worries i've got you and then he, he came back with a couple of designs and i'm like bingo i'll give you a copy of that on vinyl man because it looks it looks awesome on the full vinyl. Like oh, must have. Really, really next cool. time I'm in, I'll give you a copy of it. But then, um, but a lot of the artwork I get done is a, is a local dude now. It's it's um, again, it's cool to come home and network for all the people that he knew back in the day. Sure. Um, Don Cole, who his day job is designing tombstones. Wow. I know, which is pretty dope. He works for the foundry, but on the side he does. Fascinating. Yeah, I know. He's a bit of a dude, and he's got his own little company called Dead Rascals Design. <laughs> and he, he does merch. He does a lot of design stuff, posters, but he also does video. And I, I do another side project with him called Insect Suppository. It's really out there. It's environmental sort of stuff. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it, I like doing it because it's so weird and whatever. But he did payroll number. Um, he does all the insect stuff um, and a, a bunch of design. But yeah, so the short answer is some of it, but not all of it. Because so, I know yeah. even like even the single artwork for um for some of the stuff that's been coming out recently, um, Arrays, uh, Hearts Mend, whatnot. Even the cover art for that that you can see obviously on the single, whether it, when you look at it digitally, it does still have a. It's very eye catching. It's very, it's well put together, and it's, it, okay. it sort of goes well with the obviously with the songs that it's part of. And I bring that up because we're going to play one of the songs that was released last year, um, Tim Godwin's solo music. It's called Hearts Mend. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it afterwards, but just um, for listeners that have obviously hadn't heard this before, what thematically would this song be about? Nursing burnout. Fair. I did nursing at UNE and I was a crit care nurse. Still am. But I'm not going to talk about that today. But, yeah, I wrote it about burnout um, and I put it out towards the end of the peak of the pandemic last year and brings back a lot of flashbacks for me but yeah i think that's a good thing no totally <laughs> that makes and, sense and it goes back to what you were saying before about it, the, the tim godwin side of things being more personal as well 100 percent. yeah 
So for those of you who haven't heard it yet, um, this is something that you can stream online on various different digital platforms. This is Hearts Mend by Tim Godwin coming up right now here on 106.9 Tune FM. You're listening to the home of UNE's student-powered radio and we'll be right back.
You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. We're back with Tim Godwin in the studio, and that was Hearts Mend, a single that was released last year. As Tim said before the break, it was written about nursing burnout, which is obviously something that would have been a big part of last year in the wake of obviously what happened, the COVID pandemic. I'm going to touch a little bit on the the pandemic and the impact on music in just a bit. Um, that song, when you wrote it and released it last year, was that always just intended to be like a um, a standalone single, or was that going to be part of like a longer EP or a longer album? Uh, no, it was always going to be a single, man. Like, um, I actually sat on it for a while. Sure. I wrote it quite some time ago, and it, it's one of those songs that I, I chiseled away a bit, and I just... I was going to actually put it out on International Nurses Day, but then there wasn't going to be a good day for lots of reasons. One, that nurses' salaries got cut on International <laughs> Nurses Day during the pandemic last oh my year. lordy lord, okay. I know, I know, right? So anyway... Um, but no, it was, it was always going to be a single. Yeah. Fair, yeah, no, yeah. okay. Because that was actually quite funny. You've seen a lot of, um, there's been a lot of different bands and artists release one-off songs last year in the wake of the pandemic. Alice Cooper did a song called Don't Give Up, which was rather inspirational. Um, obviously, there's been a few others that have released things just as a way of saying, look, it's all good, we're going to get through this, just, you know, push through. Obviously, um, yourself being in the music industry, you would obviously have a first-hand knowledge of what the pandemic has done to, you know, the music industry. And as far as the live music's gone, we all know it's absolutely decimated it. Um, In a different, because obviously we all know that, what other impacts has COVID had on the music industry as a whole in terms of, you know, being able to write music, release music? Has it had much of an impact behind the scenes? Ah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the first thing is it's, it's easy to write when you're not on the road, right? Because sure. you've got all this time, and probably most artists did that. They did write and they record, and then they've, they've probably got a massive stockpile of releases ready to go. But I mean, it's not it, it's not over yet, baby. Like, it's yeah. the venues still aren't really open, and a lot probably won't reopen. And I, I mean, I touched on I did an interview in Yamba, and I touched on my mate. Uh, this was on the weekend. My mate Russell, who's down in in Adelaide he does A-list production like he rigs the big A-list rigs for like the stadium shows he ain't got no work man like and all of his crew like he's not going to work until the international board is open but and I mean these days I mean anyone can write a song and record it even with free software at home and they can release it it might not go anywhere but anyone can do it so technically well but having said that man like I remember that song I went to go and get it mastered it was a pain in the dot because I had to go to, I went down to Sydney to get it mastered at 301 and I wanted to be there in person because I wanted to shoot an interview and all this sort of stuff. And um, I wasn't allowed to fly because you weren't allowed to go on public transport. Of course. You know, there's stuff like this. Like I had to drive, um, had to keep the crew down to three people, which made it difficult. So the, that sort of stuff in production. But but I think the real thing is you, you ain't touring it, you're out getting on the road, you're not flogging merch. So there's no point of putting a release out because yeah. it's, it's going to go to deaf ears. And I suppose the other thing was everyone did do that anyway and everyone did online streaming and uh, and it probably was the precursor to me writing Digital Noise is that everyone was just overwhelmed with the amount of content on social media, whether it be the Trump stuff, whether it be the pandemic, uh. the bushfires, and then music and then live stream gigs. It was just we all were getting cataracts from staring at our phones, right? So, I mean, we're still there, and I, I, I suppose, I mean, I also have the, the other side of the pandemic working in nursing, and I, I work with some nursing students, and, I, and they constantly are telling me about their woes, about not being able to go out. And I was like, I, it wasn't that long ago, well, I'm starting to feel my age, but, but when I was <laughs> 18 or 19, and 
going out was everything. Yeah, and it was su- and you get over it pretty quick. You get over it by the time you're 21, going out every weekend, going to these horrible nightclubs. But you still <laughs> you still did it, yeah, you know. And that was a really you you went, you danced, you hooked up with people, you got too drunk, you did all that sort of stuff. But th- you got a whole generation of people that have hit 18 that have missed out. Yeah, on that and that. That worries me. And not only have they missed out, they're still, they may be starting to go out now, but they're not going out to gigs. So that whole culture of going out and seeing a rock band has been lost from, you know, a good cohort of people and it's still not back. And I think that is really worrying for the scene because it's people, they, that will stay with them for life. It's, it's that, that age is where you, when you start going out, if you're not getting exposed to live bands, then you probably won't, you probably won't ever because it, you know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, because um, obviously you and I can only just speculate being two people, but when things eventually touch wood, hopefully do go back to quote-unquote normal, be that in, you know, two years, five years, whenever, when all this is behind us, because of the damage that has been done to the touring side of, you know, live mu- of music and, you know, gigging and touring and, like you said, selling merch and really sort of making a name for yourselves, do you think that um, do you think that some of the damage that's been done as a result of the pandemic and the whole nightmare of last year is going to be irreparable? Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I mean, we have seen some interesting stuff. I mean, look, live stream gigs, and there's no reason why we couldn't have done that in the past. True. I mean, there's a venue I used to play a fair bit in Newtown, Mosh Pit, and probably we'll play there again. I mean, they they now stream all of their gigs and they get a side hustle for that as well. Like they yeah. pay for entry. So it's too early is probably the honest truth. I mean, look, I've, I've, like I handed you a bunch of these things which I'm holding up to the microphone, which I'm sure you can all see. <laughs> um, where I've actually put a QR code on my posters and, and handouts now because people are actually cool with QRs now and that goes straight to my music. And so I don't, I don't know. Like I don't think it'll go back exactly the same but to be honest music live music was struggling in australia for lots of other reasons before COVID, and then and then when COVID happened it was just like oh my god but um i don't know the short answer is it's it's really too soon man yeah no i i agree with you in regards to live music in australia pre-covid things were the things weren't great for absolutely and you know you'd have a lot of bands from overseas that wouldn't make the trip down here for whatever you know because we are kind of isolated from the rest of the world and the Australian music scene isn't really as well-known as I think it should be or as it deserves to be. Um, switching away from a little bit, um, because you are, like you said earlier, you are from Armadale. You spend a bit of time down in Sydney. You've now moved back up to the area. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just a little bit of, of advice, because you are an alumni of nursing here at UNE. Is there any sort of advice you could give to first-year nursing students now, just touching back in your time studying while you were here? In relation to music or to nursing? <laughs> uh, well, either, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, look, I don't know. I, I mean, I just put out a song about nursing burnout. It probably says enough, but... Sure. I think it's nursing's not a bad gig once you, once you get through it. And I, I think the first five or six years of any vocation, I don't think it's just nursing. It, but it, it's tough and you make a, a conscious decision if you're going to do it or not after that. That's really the truth. Right. And a lot of people don't. And it, it's the same if you're a police person or if you're a teacher. I think, you know, it's the same with any vocation. It gets hard. So I suppose work out if it's what you want to do while you're a student because, it, you know, the more you invest in it, the more harder it is to walk away from. Totally. Um, um, but, but give it, if you're going to do it, give it five or six years to really sink in after you get out because it, 
once you get through that, then it becomes more of a job. And I suppose that's what heart is is about. Is that you, at some point you have to get emotional distance to be able to just go and do your job, particularly in crick care where you see horrendous stuff every day. Sure. So, but um, yeah. I mean, it probably don't take it too seriously either. Like it's you're, you're at uni, try and enjoy yourself, do your assignments. If you fail one, who cares? Just do it again. You know, it's at the end of the day, most of the stuff you, you learn at uni is, is pretty detached from reality of day-to-day nursing. Like you never get asked to write, uh, you know, a reference paper when you're at work trying to clean, you know, you're trying to mop up blood in the resus bay. Like it's so distant to what you do. You sure. know what I mean? So, um, yeah, stick at it. Enjoy it. Go out. It's the time in your life to go and meet people and have a good time as well as do your uni degree. So that's probably the advice I have more than anything. And for you personally, given that you did just move back from Sydney to Armadale, what was um, – was it mainly – was it just, I guess, for – was it just for you personally or was it for your music career? What exactly gave you the idea of moving back up here from Sydney? Um, oh, man. Have you paid rent in Sydney? Uh, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> It's point. expensive, dude. Like, yeah, sure. And look, I was working at RPA full-time in ED, and it's a tough gig. And like try, trying to live there and pay, you know, the 600 bucks a week rent for a shoebox and do music, sure, opportunities galore there. I mean, I, I got a side hustle mixing bands and met a lot of cool people as well and did my own gigs, and there's always stuff going on like that. But it got to that time where I, I couldn't do it anymore and I wanted to come home and, well, I, didn't, I don't think I did want to come home, but I knew I needed to do something different and came, coming home seemed like the right thing to do. And it was tough. And um, it's this next song is, is about that. It's called Erase. It's about kind of that blow to the ego of um, when you do swallow your pride and you come home. <laughs> Well, I was going to say you um, were just about to launch into it, so that was rather that was rather good timing. Nice segue, bro. Um, so, and this, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was the debut single release um, for Tim Godwin as a as a solo artist. It was one of the first songs that came out back in 2019. Sounds about right. Okay, a lot's, <laughs> a lot's happened since then, man. And it's yeah, like it all blurs into one, but definitely it's probably the one that got more recognition than anything else I did. It was probably the first one that really got any traction i suppose yeah no that's fair so again for anyone that hasn't heard it before this is arrays by tim godwin coming up next here on 106.9 chin fm we'll be right back
And you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, joined in the studio by the amazing Tim Godwin. That was Arrays, one of the first singles that he put out as part of a solo uh, career that really sort of took off, which was always good. And as, excuse me, as he said before, it was about sort of the cop to the ego of sometimes having to swallow your pride, which is something I'm sure a lot of us can relate to when things don't entirely turn out the way they're supposed to. That was, um, was that one that you, was that one that you wrote uh, like uh, just after moving back to the New England area, or is that did that sort of predate the move? No, no. It, it li- well, yeah, it happened. I was staying at mum and dad's when I wrote that. Right. I'll never forget it because my mum was writing a PhD at the time, and I was driving her crazy because I sat down at the piano playing it. Right. And she was just telling me, "Shut up! I can't. I can't deal with this." And I was like, "All right, no worries." And then um, anyway, I ended up get renting a place, and I recorded it at the rental, and that's a whole other story to give that place, but. Um, yeah, no, it was about coming home and I think that will not erase. It's, it's also trying to look back through rose-colored glasses at all the places you lived and stuff you've done and you're missing people and you're missing the experiences you had with people and coming to the conclusion that you can't – you can do everything you want in life but you just can't do it all at the same time. And gotcha. I suppose it was that brooding dissonance that, that, that came out. It was, one, it was really nice for me because it was – very rarely will I just sit down on an instrument and it just comes, but it did for that song, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's always nice when, you, when you're writing something like that and it's that sort of, it comes that naturally to you as opposed to having to sort of force something out because that can be an absolute effort and a half to do. Yeah. And granted, I say that as someone that's never actually written a song per se. <laughs> I more dabble in the poetic sort of things that actually doesn't require any music, which is good. Yeah, well, probably equally as challenging, I suppose, but I don't know. I haven't really written. I, d- I did write a poem once when I was a kid. Sure. That's another story. I was going to say, don't get me to write music. I wouldn't know the first thing I was doing about <laughs> it. Um, so given that, like, you know, we did speak a little bit about how the live industry has been pushed to the side, things are slowly starting to not get back to normal, but things are slowly starting to come about. We've got a few little, you know, we have got a few gigs popping up here and there. Um, I know Kiss announced a show. They're bringing their final <laughs> tour back to Australia. Wow. Um, in November. 
tickets are still available if anyone wants fingers to go to those. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed it actually goes ahead. I believe you've actually got a gig coming up, don't you? A live performance in the area. Yeah, so on this Saturday, um, I'm playing in Urala. It's not, I'm not really playing my own stuff, although I will play one of my songs just to confuse everyone. <laughs> I'm playing drums for Paul Longy. He's another uh, Armadale-based artist, and it should be a really cool, intimate show. And look, you talked about how is what's COVID done in the industry. I suppose it's made some of these shows happen. Um, like I'm playing Macrossan's Mill, which is this little uh, like museum, heritage listed museum. And it's just, it's going to be to 60 people. There's still a few tickets left. Um, we're playing predominantly his album, Mind's Eyes, which I, I picked it up and I put it on my label, Smashed Out Records. And I've been doing some stuff with him. So I'm playing drums for him, but we will play uh, a solo version of, of a social norm song, blows my mind because I'm dropping a release of that on Friday and I asked Paul and he very kindly said no worries I'll, I'll arrange a song on keys and we'll play it at the gig I'm like sounds cool so yeah so I mean as much as the doom and gloom of the of music scene has is, is, is dropped off you know it's, it's nice to actually have a show and I think this is probably my first live in flesh show since COVID sure. so, and that's this Saturday at Macrossan's Mill in Urala that must be exciting you realise you're going to be sitting behind the drums again for the first time in God knows when yeah well just to an audience I've definitely done the studio stuff but yeah no it is and it's it's going to be filmed and recorded and no I am actually really looking forward to it you know so and there are like you said there are still tickets available for that doors open at 7 I believe down at the mill in Urala on Saturday so anyone that wants to get a bit of a taste of live music again please make sure that you get a ticket go along and go Absolutely. You spoke just a little bit there about Smashed Out of the Label. Now, first of all, great name. Thanks, um, man. Gives me, you know, flashbacks to the generic success cover again. <laughs> so I take it this is a label that you sort of put together yourself? I did, yeah. It's it's a bit of a grassroots label and, you know, like I chisel away at it. It's it's mainly me that does it. I've got a few other people that, that help out. Don, who I mentioned before, does a lot of my artwork. And Shanks down in Sydney does a bit of my scouting and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah, that, I mean, anything you see smashed up, it's it's usually got me involved in it in some way or another. So yeah, no, that's fair, and obviously that's what you release all of your music through. I presume that's what most of the social norm stuff nowadays is released through. Do you have any other sort of artists as part of the label, like other little independent artists around here that go under that label? Um, well, there's Paul, sure. um, Paul Longy. Most of the projects that are on it have got me in them in some way or another. So gotcha. there, there's insect suppository stuff. Um, Social norms on there. Jeez, I'm having a tough time remembering everything. Oh, man. Got a blank. No, that's right. You just have to go and check it out. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And, look, and, so. and it is good because, you know, things like this, they do take a bit of time to – it's not something that just grows immediately overnight. It's something that will take a fair bit of time to get more people interested and get people signing up and yeah. so forth and so on. I, I think what I was getting confused is, like, there's, there's a lot of bands that are associated with the album but aren't. With the label rather than a uh, sign per se. So, gotcha. for example, Charlie Bravo is a, a band I've had a lot to do with. Um, Jacob Dewberry's the the front man of right. that, and I did a collab with him last year called Lost Ambitions, and we shot a clip for it at the skate park here in Armadale. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you might have seen it. You can check it out if not. But anyway, um, so like other stuff I, I did, like they cut their EP, which again, it drops on Friday as well. Lots of stuff's happening on Friday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I went and shot them in the studio and interviewed them as well. So I do a lot of that stuff as well. So there's Charlie Bravo and there's also um, Siren of Silence who I've been sessioning drums for and that's an artist in Sydney. She's got ties to here in Armadale as well. 
Um, I mean, so these are all stuff and Scott's, uh, who I also did a collab with, uh, he's a rapper, he's based in Glebe. So, I mean, th- they're not strictly on the label as such, because I, mainly because they haven't released music with me per se, but there's stuff that I do with them as the label as well, if that makes sense. So. No, yeah, you know, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely does. So given um, one, oh, one other question that I actually was curious about before, because you, you said you pretty much taught yourself how to play drums, you obviously play guitar, you have for a very long time. Do you have a particular favourite instrument that you just get a lot more enjoyment out of playing than any of the others, or is it all just sort of anyone's good? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm probably better at drums than anything. Sure. I mean, um, that, I, mean I love it, playing drums when... It, the, I, th- I suppose for me it's... A lot of the time when I play these days, it's for a reason, gotcha. So, particularly for drums. It's usually because I'm sessioning on a record or I've got a job to do. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I still love taking my drums to a park. And some people around here might have seen me mainly do it around Urala because it's close to home. And I just set up and I play. And it's great because people stop, they film, they take photos and they love it as opposed to playing at home and pissing off your neighbours. Of course, yeah. It's, it's actually a two-for-one deal. Like I get a lot of promo done that way and some content shot. But I also get my practice done, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, so, of course. But having said that, I love locking myself up in my little studio at home and just playing for no purpose at all. That's probably what I enjoy the most. It's when yeah. I've got – or if I'm in a creative element and I'm creating just for me, like I'm not doing a session, I'm not feeling like I have to produce anything. That's probably what I enjoy the most. But I love singing as well. I love it all, but I'm probably – I can sit, confidently sit down at a drum kit and pretty much bluff my way through any gig in any genre. So yeah, gotcha. Whereas guitar and all the rest of it, I really enjoy it, but I'm probably less limited at what I can play, if that makes sense. I was going to say, it's not. I know there are examples of it in, with some bands, but it's not very common you would have a drummer act as the singing frontman as well. <laughs> That's, that tends to be something that you just don't see very much, which is nice. It's a bit of a unique dynamic to any sort of band which is pretty cool yeah well it was like that's what's going on with the social norm now like and it, it's been fun to do that and definitely eye-catching as well and it, it probably helped me land some endorsement deals with some drum brands too so nice. um i mean i'm not i'm not drumming and singing in the, the nascent or the tim Goldwyn live band i'm out the front with a mic and a synth which is nice but um yeah look it's that was that was hard to learn to drum and sing and coordinate that but when, once you get there and it's also really fun because you yeah people don't expect it of course it's, it's you know. just not <laughs> it's not really the done thing it's not something that is very popular at all yeah and obviously like you've got this gig coming up on saturday which is really exciting for anyone in urala that you know could get a taste of live music again i assume you know with the what's coming up in the pipeline digital noise with tim godwin um, hopefully, again, touch wood, there would be the plans to maybe do a bit of gigs for that somewhere down the line as well, if if it's possible, if things can be done like that. 100%. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm starting to negotiate with a few venues and, and trying to find a venue to, to put music on. I, I did do some stuff at Impies back in the day. Hopefully, we can resurrect that. Um, but if not, yeah, come probably July is when I'm looking to, to really start at least doing some support shows with this new band and do some I'm keen to do stuff around here because sure. I'm getting old man I don't want to be in a van <laughs> yeah, going traveling. up and down the east coast every summer like I have been for years but um, but yeah I, th- I think it will happen you good. Know, in some capacity yeah and that's good to hear especially it, it's, it's it's nice to see that there is 
there's obviously, well, of course, there's obviously still the motivation for people to go out and tour, but it's nice to finally be at the stage where it could potentially be happening down the line as opposed to having to put everything on hold, like all the, trap, the crap that went on last year. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the reluctance, I think, of anyone to book tours at the moment is that, like, you know, you book it and it's really good and you even get pre-sales and all the rest of it and then, you know, look what happened to Byron Bay's Blue Fest. Yeah, Blues exactly. Fest, it just got canned hours before it kicked off and it's... That was horrendous. You don't forget that stuff, no. man. And, and like, the, it's not so much about, oh, you just cancelled the show, you're not going to make any money. You, you've lost a lot of money because you, you've put all that time and effort in, and money into marketing. Absolutely. And, um, and then you also have to refund tickets. And Oh, man, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's really horrible having to cancel. So it will happen again. Um, I'm easing back into it. So is the social norm. We're, you know, we... We chatted on off air about some shows that we were going to do last year that we didn't, and we we're kind of glad that we didn't because yeah. it wouldn't have worked out. So it, and will happen. I think we've all got to be patient. I, I feel for the younger generation that might be listening to this that's at UNE at the moment that is eighteen and nineteen, and that is the time in your life where you go out all the time and you have do all the fun. Sure, you have fun. You you learn a lot about the world. You learn about why clubs are horrible and <laughs> so yeah. i really i really hope that they still get a taste of that before they you know feeling too old to want to go out and do it if that makes sense no it absolutely does so i guess the final question one of the most important ones for our listeners for those of them that you know want to listen to a bit more of your stuff a bit more of the social norm stuff whatever given that obviously they can't scan the qr codes through the microphone <laughs> how where whereabouts would they find you on any i assume you're on like most streaming platforms yeah most digital platforms all of them and they get updated all the time but the main ones are the easiest ones to quote spotify apple music sure. google play amazon title deezer youtube um and bandcamp's really good if you if you're old school and you like to get physical stuff and even just get your own downloaded copy and pay for it that helps me out significantly because it's obviously getting a dollar for a track is a lot better or $20 for a record is a lot better than 0.0006 of a cent for a stream. I was, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, look, a follower is a follower. And if you're getting off of my music, that's that's why we do it as artists. So totally. It's all those spots. I'm pretty active on, on Instagram in particular. Um, Tim Godwin Music, I assume? Yeah, Tim Godwin Dash Music. Um, and I'll... We actually filmed this this interview too, so give me a week or so and I'll get it up probably on YouTube and hopefully the tune guys will share it for you as yeah, well. Yeah, no, it will be. We'll um, we'll get this podcasted as well so more people can, can access it. Uh, it's To be honest, and obviously because I've interviewed the, you personally a few years ago, I interviewed The Social Norm as a band when you were doing a gig at the... Um, at one of the, I think, the Impies pub in Armadale a few years ago, which was wonderful. So it's good to see that you have sort of gotten through this as best as possible <laughs> and that, you know, it's you're still going and releasing music. It's, it's quite nice to see. So thank you so much for joining us, Tim. We really appreciate it. And given that, obviously, once more, I'm going to remind you, uh, Tim will be performing in at the Mill down in Urala. Uh, doors open at 7 o'clock on Saturday night, so go along, get some live music into you, and he'll be playing this track that I'm going to play out this interview with. It's the solo version from uh, a Social Norm song, Blows My Mind by Tim Godwin, coming up next on 106.9 Tune FM. You've been listening to the home of UNE's student-powered radio. <laughs>
Yeah. 